My message today, my series for this month is called Invested. I have a very strong sense that this meeting has an importance beyond that which maybe any of us are aware of today. And that you carry a mission on your life that has more impact than you even know. And that this year holds a significance, more significance than we might have ever believed. So I I have felt that we are at a place where we have to make some decisions, some important decisions, both personally as well as corporately. Decisions as to whether we are all in with God, with His purposes, with His leadership in our lives whether we're invested as full partners or whether we step back and become something of spectators. Allow me to bring a few quotes from Jesus that have, over these last few months, been catching my attention and preparing me, not only for this service, but for this year. Out of Luke chapter 14, verse 26, when you follow me as my disciple, these are the words of Jesus, when you follow me as my disciple, you must put aside your father, your mother, your wife, your sisters, your brothers. Yes, you will seem, yes, you will even seem as though you hate your own life. This is the price you'll pay to be considered one of my followers. It's Jesus speaking, not me. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own, as you continually surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice, if you lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will forfeit what you try to keep. For even if you were to gain all the wealth and all the power of this world and everything it could offer you at the cost of your own life, what good would that be? And what could be more valuable to you than your own soul? Invested. Matthew chapter 19, verse 29, again, Jesus, for anyone who has left behind their home and property, leaving family, brothers or sisters, mothers or fathers or children, for my sake, they will be repaid a hundred times over and will inherit eternal life. Jesus speaks, and it's easy to see that he's not offering some cool membership to an exclusive country club that has all sorts of options and packages available to offer to you at whatever level of commitment that you might be willing to invest in. His perspective is is that there's a spiritual war going on on the planet right now, and that there are individuals, there are people who are at risk and that it is cause for this cause that we, we are fighting for. It's a mission that's worth dying for. And the question that is asked of me as an individual and is asked of us as a church body is this, are we all in? Are we, are we invested? Are we fully invested in the cause of Jesus Christ? The test of your investment is a simple one, and again found in the words of Jesus, 
When he says, your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. The message says it this way, don't don't hoard treasures down here where it gets eaten by moth and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in, in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be. It's the place you'll end up being. Your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. You will show up, you will put effort into, you will sweat and you will bleed and sacrifice for what you really value, what you really believe in. Not what you say you believe in. I believe in a healthy lifestyle, but I don't get out and run. Not what you say you believe in, not what what you want to be perceived to believe in, but what you truly are committed to, what you truly are invested in. It's become uncomfortably quiet in here this morning. For a number of weeks, we've been moving towards this understanding, toward this commitment. When we started the season in September, I asked you to consider making this commitment to the cause. Number one, I asked that each of you find a place to serve in the house. Many of you have. There were even a few who came to me this morning and said, I haven't got a place yet, and I, I want to. They must have known what I was going to speak on. But um, a place where you could work together in team and learn to receive instruction and, and follow instruction and learn to be faithful, learn to be dependable, a place where you could learn the importance of people and learn something of the, the call of God on your life and how to work within the context of, of team and spiritual family. That was the first thing I asked you. The second thing I asked was that you would find a person, find your person, a person to serve. A person who God has, has given to you to serve, to, to help, to encourage, to, to love on. Preferably someone who cannot pay you back. But someone who needs a good and a godly person invested in their lives, in their world. It might even be a person that sees you as an enemy, sees you as a threat, as someone that is polar opposite to who they are and where they stand. But it's a person that God has called you to serve. The third thing that I asked was that you would invest your time, your talent, your treasure in the cause, in the call that we've been given. Jesus put it succinctly, now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And teach them to faithfully follow all that I've commanded you, and never forget that I am with you every day even to the completion of this age. That is the mission. And I've asked that you would move toward investing your time, your talent, and your treasure in the mission, especially here in your own home church, but certainly not limited only to this, your home church. For a number of months, we've been moving forward and moving toward being a people that are are known for being invested in the cause. I can report that I am pretty pleased as a pastor of this committed family and congregation of, of believers, people that have, are committed, people that are all in. There are some cool stories that are even coming out so early in this season. 
However, as we begin this brand new year, I, I hear God calling us to move deeper in our commitment. Hear him looking for us to review our investment strategy, especially when it comes to the way that we spend, the way that we live our lives. This whole month, you will be hearing three speakers, myself and two others, calling you to deeper commitment, calling you to be all in, in your following of Jesus. This morning, I want to show you something of what it looks like to be invested. Go with me to the second chapter of Matthew in the book, in the, in the Bible. I, I am using the Passion Translation this morning because it speaks and it emphasized not only the passion that God has for us, but the, the passion that he looks to find in us. This is the tail end of the nativity narrative. Last week, we saw the first part of this particular incident. Jesus is being brought to the temple as a, as a baby to be named, to, to be circumcised. His parents are coming to offer a sacrifice to, to God for the gift they have received and been given in the person of this small one that they have called Jesus. Last week, the old man Simeon spoke out, but as he was speaking, as he was prophesying over this, this young family, over this young life, another person, a woman who has invested her life in the cause, shows up, and her name is Anna. And she has some things to, to show us this morning about being all in, about being invested. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 36. A prophetess named Anna was also in the temple court that day, and she was from the Jewish tribe of Asher and the daughter of Phanel. Anna was an aged widow who had been married only seven years before her husband passed away, and after he died, she chose to worship God in the temple continually. For the past 84 years, she had been serving God with night and day prayers and fasting. Enough of her story is told in, in those short two verses to make us aware of some things that are present in each and every person who is called to serve God here today. The, the first is that as a woman, she is acquainted with grief and with disappointment. At some point in time, every person in this room has or will enter a season of, of breaking, of crushing, of, of sorrow. For Anna, it happened when she was very young. She's married most likely as a young woman, but after just seven short years of marriage, her, her husband dies. Loss is always difficult. Always. But in her time, in her culture, at her age, it was devastating. The husband in that day was the source of income, the main statement of identity and stability in the woman's life. The husband was tasked with taking care of every aspect of of his wife's life, and now there is no one to pick up that responsibility. There's no mention of children. She's on her own. 
If, if we guess that maybe she was around 20 when she was married and she's married for seven years and she's now 84 years of age, that means that, there, that she's been on her own for more than five and a half decades. There are a lot of choices to be made during those difficult years. Every day she wakes up and she has to decide where she goes, what she does, who she will be as a person. Every day she has to decide whether she will be a victim of her sorrow and her grief laid low by her disappointment and her pain, or if she will choose to live for a bigger cause, fight her way through to a better outcome. Does she look to remarry? Does she go back to the marketplace and try to find a job, a, a way of keeping body and soul together? Does, does she give up and sit at home and wait for her time to come where she'll die and have to not worry about any of it anymore? Anna, early on in her grief process, chooses life, chooses Fulfillment chooses meaning. The word says that after her husband dies, she chose, she made a conscious decision to worship God in the temple continually. For more than 20,000 days, Anna gets up, gets dressed, and goes to the house of God to worship God. No one paid her. No one encouraged her. No one thanked her. She, she just chose to be faithful. She chose to be consistent. She chose to show up. She, she wasn't whining or complaining in the presence of God about the outcome, outcome of her life. She was worshiping God. She was declaring. She was announcing his goodness, his faithfulness. She was rehearsing the mighty attributes of God at the temple of God day after day after day, year after year, decade after decade, 20,000 days. What's more, we are told that for all of those years she had been serving God night and day in prayer and with fasting. While she would be in the, in the worship zone, God would reveal need God would, would bring an understanding of what was happening in the lives of, of people, in, the, in the, the makeup of the city, in the spiritual life of the nation. Holy Spirit would show up and would reveal the strategy of God to her. And she would enter into seasons of prayer, times of fasting, where she would pray with such focus that she didn't eat. She didn't go home. She, she didn't take rest or comfort, but would fight for spiritual breakthrough in areas of life that God had shared with her. And this was not uncommon. This was not rare. This was a lifestyle. This was ongoing. This was intense. This was a choice on her part to invest her life, to spend her days serving God, and for the most part, away from the notice and the attention of her contemporaries. What's more, in these many years of faithful sacrificial service to God, there had been a, a meaningful gift that had been in her life that had been developing and growing. 
be, be, because she had moved so close to God, had, had created such an intimate relationship with God, she was able to see things that were generally not seen, generally not understood. She, she was able to understand the, the movements of God. She was able to look out and, and read the spiritual climates, the, the shifts in atmosphere of both her city and her nation. She was pretty much anonymous to the nation, but the people who did know who she was and all that she was about knew her to be a person who had prophetic, deep understanding of what God was up to. When she spoke with people, it was significant. Everything she said was significant. When she said that she knew that this was a season where God was doing something of significance, you wanted to stop, you wanted to focus, you wanted to hear everything she said. You wanted to take a note of what she said because it was a perspective that you would not get a lot of other places. She had insight. Anna chose her treasure. For her, the most important thing in her life was not her home, or her clothes, or her reputation, or her vast array of friendships. The most important thing to her was the presence of God. That was her treasure. Every day she got up, every day she followed her heart to the treasure. She pursued the treasure. She got up and she went to meet with God. She, she chose, as a result of that, to say no to things that were not wrong, things that were normal, things that everyone else thought to be an essential part of life. She said no to things so that she could say yes to everything that God would ask of her. She, she chose not to be distracted by having many relationships or going to all sorts of activities and events in life so that she could be focused on God, what God was saying, what God was doing. She could hear what God was requiring of her. Her heart always pursued that which was treasured by her. There's a secret in that for me. And I think for you, I, I'm not suggesting that all of you quit your job and leave your home situation and put your children up for adoption and come to the church and spend day and night in prayer. I'm not suggesting that at all. She, she was unique. She was called to be different from, from the rest. And she was uniquely in her place in the plan and purpose of God. However, she made choices that face you and I today. Will I be a prisoner of the disappointments of my past, the grief of my losses, the shame of my failure, the hurt that has been caused by the tyrants that have marched roughshod through my history? Anna chose to leave the past behind, and she chose, she, she said of herself, I forget all the past as I have fastened my heart to the future with God instead. I choose to move forward with him. 
Like Anna of old, we have to decide what things we will allow to swallow up our time, swallow up our energy and attention this year. There there are many good and worthwhile activities that are available to us. But when we know what we treasure, we can decide what we say yes to and where we say a strong and a certain no. When, When there's not a vision, when there's not an understanding, a focus, a sense of who we are in God and what He has called us to do, then anything and everything looks to be important. When we know our call, we know what has value. Anna's choices made her indispensable to God, made her a powerful person in the hand of God. No one will know the impact, no one will know the influence that she had, not only in her time and in her nation, but the consequences that are still reverberating around the world because of her worship, because of her prayer and her fasting, because of the prophetic announcements that she made in her time and that are affecting us today. Your choices this year, your choices will determine your spiritual strength the depth of your influence, the impact and the intensity of your anointing and your enablement. What you do with your time, your thoughts, your hurts, your faith, your understanding of God and what He is doing, all of that has an impact on the spiritual footprint that you will make in this year, 2019. Whether you worship or worry, those decisions will determine, they will define your year. She has so many important things to teach us. But Anna's story continues. Verse 38. While Simeon was prophesying over Mary and Joseph and the baby, Anna walked up to them and she burst forth with a great chorus of praise to God for the child. And from that day forward, she told everyone in Jerusalem who was waiting for their redemption that the anticipated Messiah had arrived. People of faith, people of the word, followers of Jesus cannot be bothered to wait until all the facts are in, until every question has been answered, until every problem has been solved, until every doubt has been put to rest. People of faith, their connection to God allows them to walk by faith and doesn't sentence them to waiting until the sight confirms their strong suspicions. Simeon And then Anna believed that they had heard the voice of God. They knew that the couple that stood before them held not just a baby, but held the Son of God in their arms. That the hope of the world was before their very eyes, even though he was just a baby, even though there was no external markings, even though he wasn't in in royal clothing. They knew that they were looking at the King of all kings. 
And there was something that had been percolating away in, in Anna's heart and spirit for years. And when she got close enough to the baby, it couldn't be contained in her heart anymore. She was, she was vibrating. She, she burst forth with a great chorus of praise to God for the child. This is the long-awaited Messiah. This is the answer sent by God. This is the salvation of Israel. There was, there was concrete evidence in front of her, but she believed, she declared, she stood convinced that this time that she lived in was the now of God. And she couldn't keep it to herself. She had prayed for it. She had believed it. And now she saw it. There was not a large crowd of people in her day who believed. Not a lot of people who understood. But she went forward from that day on for the rest of her life, unashamed and loudly declaring to everyone in Jerusalem that had ever hoped for the redemption of Israel to show up, that the anticipated Messiah was, was alive, was well, was here. She would not, she could not help but connect people to hope. It was, it was the call on her life to put people in touch with real, authentic hope. I want you to understand that attitude is everything. She dared to, to carry an attitude of faith. She dared to, to carry an attitude of, of boldness. And, and she was not wrong. She was as much a forerunner as John the Baptist. She was as much a way maker with people who were looking for hope. What John had done publicly was all possible because of what people like Simeon and Anna had done in, in prayer for years, for decades before his ministry was ever launched. Church, I'm telling you this this morning that the outlook that you carry into this year is going to be either a game defeater or a game changer. If, if I read the signs, if I study the costs, if I focus on the level of difficulty of all that we have planned and purposed to do, the human, res the, the human response would be for me to run for the hills. Every indicator is that I should be more cautious. I should be slower to rush into huge challenges. But I have adopted an attitude of faith and I can't wait to move forward. I am ready to take on dragons that step into our way that would have scared me earlier years. My heart is bursting with praise. My words keep announcing hope for the year that is ahead. Announcing hope for people that don't hold out much hope. I believe, I believe, I believe. My verse for this season, as you know, is from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and to accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. Your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. God breathed and brought that to life for me. But one of my favorite parts of the nativity narrative is still ahead. It has to do with Mary and Joseph. Verse 39. When Mary and Joseph completed everything that was required of them by the law of Moses, they took Jesus, 
They returned to their home in Nazareth in Galilee. And the child grew more powerful in grace, for he was being filled with wisdom and with the favor of God that was upon him. This young couple had experienced some crazy days. Mary and Joseph had received the shepherd. They would still come into contact with the wise men from the east on their way to see the baby. Just moments ago, Simeon had had spoken of the future in a way that had left them overwhelmed. The, the word says, as we read last week, Mary and Joseph stood there awestruck over what was being said about their baby. And then Anna shows up and speaks and prophesies. It's, it's really an outstanding, it's really an incredible time. It's a, it's a mountain height experience. However, Outstanding, overwhelming, incredible is not usually a part of each and every day of our lives. At least it's not part of my everyday. There are some mountain highs and there are some pretty deep valleys. I'll I'll confess that I, I very seldom say to anybody, I'm bored. But most of my journey is fairly routine. Like you, my vehicle needs oil changes. I spend more than my share of time in line waiting to pay for groceries. I see my dentist. My doctor and I are on a first-name basis. My family and I spend fairly consistently time together. I pay bills. I look for sales. I take my shoes to the cobbler at the mall to get them repaired. For the most part, my life is fairly regular, fairly normal. Well, let's back off normal, but regular. When Mary and Joseph had finished everything that the law of Moses required of them, when the shepherds went back to the fields to their flocks, and when the wise men headed home by a different pathway because they'd been warned by an angel messenger to do so, when Simeon went home and when Anna goes back to her prayer room, life for Mary, life for Joseph goes back to something of a normal routine. The parents eventually head home to Nazareth. And during that time, there are things that are almost imperceivable, very difficult to measure, but but there are things that occur. There are signs of, of the grace of God on their lives. There was indications of 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 powerful growth in Jesus, for he was day by day being filled with wisdom that came from God. His His daily growing in in favor found its source in God. However, overwhelmingly, life was normal. It was regular. 
It was regular life that was preparing them, getting them ready for their destiny. It was, it was getting up for work. It was packing a lunch. It was interacting with the regular people. It was, it was craving, carving out time of their busy schedule to meet with God each and every day. It was, it was recognizing God who had brought certain people across their pathway. It was, it was thinking on things that had been spoken and keeping focus on what they'd been told, listening for direction, but carrying on day by day, day after day, as usual, being faithful to the routine, the, the constant in the regular come and go of life. Worship team, can you come and get ready? That's such an important part of the puzzle that is 2019. I haven't had them yet, but I predict that there will be some horrible days in 2019. Days when I wonder what and why things that are unexpected and unwelcomed have shown up. I'm pretty sure that it will not be a trouble-free, problem-free zone that both of those things will arise. I would guess that at some point someone is going to be angry at me for what I have said or what I have done or what I haven't said or what I haven't done. It wouldn't be a typical year if someone didn't threaten me to have my license to pastor revoked. It would be weird to me if we went through more than a couple years without a threat being telephoned in on my life. It would be strange if someone weren't threatening to sue me for every dime, saying things that were not true in the hope that the powers that would have that ability could defrock me. That's a pretty regular occurrence. I don't think that it's going to change this year. However, the vital thing for me this year and for all of us is to stay focused on the call, to be faithful in walking with God. To keep doing what every distraction has attempted to keep me from doing. I love the mountain high experiences. I relish them. But I also love that when I'm at the lowest point in my life, in the, in the bottom of the valley, in the gutter of the valley, if you will, even there I can still hear the, the voice of God call me by name and remind me that this isn't the end of the room road. Remind me that this too shall pass. I, I hope that this is true, but I think that I've learned something about the journey we're on. My job is to hear from God. Listen carefully to what he has to say. Write it down. Review it. Know it so that it affects the way that I think, the way that I act, the way that I react, the way that I conduct my life and my, and, and, and my interaction with others. And just keep moving down the field, no matter what or who is in my way, until we score with obedience. We, we will be going somewhere. 
we'll be driving together in the car and Debbie will say to me, are you worried about this situation or that problem? And for a moment I stop and I think, oh, I haven't worried about it. Should I worry about it? Maybe I'm not doing my job. But then I go back, what did God say? Well, we know that it will happen. We, we just keep doing our part so that we free God to bring victory out of the jaws of defeat. People will say to me, just like they did on the second week of December, Bill, do, do you think we bit off just a little too much more than we could chew with the season of generosity? Bill, I don't know if you know this, but... We have one week to go and we still have five families that haven't been adopted and we have 90 of the 200 gift cards that are paid for. Maybe we should move backwards. Maybe we should downscale this thing. And I think, well, maybe. I, boy, that didn't occur to me. And I have to go back to what I know. What, what was it that I heard God say to me in October when I asked him for the numbers? He said, 18 families, 200 cards. And by the last Sunday of Season of Generosity, I realized that we could have even done more, but we couldn't have done less. You get close enough to God hear God speak and then you go with what that word says and, and you don't let anything deter you. you you don't let anything distract you, it's, it's our job, it's, it's us wanting to be regular in obedience being found in the routine of showing up day after day after day after day 20,000 days if that's how much it takes doing what God has asked us to do so on this, the first Sunday of 2018, I'm calling you. I'm calling you as individuals. I'm calling us as a church. I'm asking you to be invested, fully invested, full invested partners. I, I'm asking you to find out what name God has given to your year 2019. We talked about that last Sunday. I'm asking you to carve out time to discover the call of God, the call that he has on your life. I'm asking you to use that call to determine what you say yes to and when and where you say no. I'm asking you to find a place of service in the house if you don't have one. I'm asking you to find a, a person that you can invest in. Find your person so that you can serve them. I'm asking that you would bring your time, your talents, and your treasure and invest with us in advancing the cause. We're becoming, in just a moment, to the table of communion this morning. It's an important place, it's an appropriate place to be on this, the first Sunday of our year. And, and as we are speaking about being invested in the cause, it, it's important because 
we see another picture of investment. God was so invested in me, so invested in you, that he held nothing back. He gave all that he had. He gave his one, his only son. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as a, as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. So you just sit there for a few moments and you think, wow, you, you, you let that wash over you. You, you contemplate on, on the meaning, the, the impact of those words, and you think, he gave it all. He held nothing back. He promises that if he has it in his hand, he'll give it to you. How do I, how do I respond to that? How do I step into that? What, what do I say? What do I give in return? Fully invested. The only appropriate response is that we can give to him is, is not to prove our love to him. We give back our, our greatest treasure. We invest our entire life in, in the cause that that he's passionate about, that, that none should perish, but that everyone, everyone, everyone would experience and discover life in Christ and that that life would be lived to its fullest measure. That's the call on our life. And in 2019, I'm asking you to be invested in the cause.